Thank you guys for leading us as we sing about the Lord. If you're able to remain standing for a bit longer, uh, please do so. Either way, take a Bible and turn to Exodus 13. It's on page 55. If you'd like to use a Bible from the church, there should be one uh, in the pew in front of you there. Uh, I want to begin reading at verse 17 of chapter 13. And um, I'll read over to verse 14 of chapter 14 and stop for now. My, my plan will be to pick it up a little bit later in the, in the message and finish the chapter. But, but for now, we'll read through the 14th verse of the 14th chapter. This is God's word for us this morning. And here's what God says. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that, was, that way was near. Uh, for God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people round by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Sukkoth and camped near Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went with them, uh, went before them uh, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and night. And the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from, the people, from before the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel, Turn back and, and, and camp in front of Pihiroth, between Migdol and the sea. In front of Baal Zephon, and you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, and the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all the hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him. And he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army overtook them, encamped by the sea by uh, Pihirath in front of Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, 
Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. You may be seated. Father, thank you. There is no word like your word. And our prayer is that in these moments together that you would incline our hearts together around your word and in your word that you would show us wonderful things. Help us by the very presence of your spirit to transform us by your word for your glory. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Well, there's a sense in which this morning it's a whole new chapter in the life of the people of Israel. They have been freed from Egyptian captivity. The Lord has rescued them as He promised. Uh, and, 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 and now for the next movement in the book of Exodus from here at chapter 13, verse 17, all the way through uh, to chapter, the end of chapter 18, um, it's really a travel narrative. The people of Israel, in their travels, they're going to face several challenges en route to Mount Sinai. A whole new dimension of how the people of Israel will get to see something of how the Lord is God will break open in their life and in their experience. They have, they have seen how the Lord is God through the Passover and through the redemption from Egyptian captivity. And, and, and now this time of challenges, these time of testings, these, these times of difficulties, they will see in other ways that the Lord is God. And this first leg of the journey, as we've just begun to read about here in our passage today, is how they will get to see that the Lord is God even as the Egyptians come after them. Two things I want us to see this morning from our passage. First, I want us to see the glory of our Redeemer as it's shown in how He guides His people. God guides His people. Second, I want us to see something of the glory of our Redeemer, and this will be found mainly in the part that we haven't read yet, so we got to find a way to hurry up and get there, I suppose. But the glory of our Redeemer will be seen in how He guards His people. First of all, our glorious Redeemer, the Lord who is God, is, is, is showing us through how He is doing this in Israel's experience, how, how He even today guides His people. Uh, 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 several observations of, of, that we can even take from the text itself. 
uh, as to how uh, God uh, guides or leads His people. First, first of all, just from verse 17, out of the starting blocks, uh, God kindly leads His people. Um, he, he, I mean by that kindly is He knows the kind of guidance and the direction He needs to tilt us in because He knows our frame. He knows what we are made of. He knows what our weaknesses are. He, he knows what, uh, what, what, what could falter us in a heartbeat. And so with that sort of wisdom and kindness, he, he guides us. And, and I see that when he says, when Pharaoh let the people of go, God did not lead them uh, by way of the land of the Philistines. In other words, I, I don't want you to go that way yet. And, and it even tells us uh, uh, why. Uh, be, because uh, he would know that they would immediately have to face war. And, and he knows in his kindness they're not, they're not ready for that yet. And so, um, and, and yet in a way that might seem flummoxing to us, uh, it, it would be the shorter way. Uh, and, and, and yet he takes them the long way because he knows what they're ready for. He knows what they're not ready for. And so he kindly leads them, it says there, um, uh, but God, verse 18, but God led the people uh, around by way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. He wisely leads us, in other words. He not only kindly leads us, I, I, I don't want you to go in that direction yet. You're not ready for that yet. I, but I, I'm going to take you over here in this direction. Now, it's longer, and it's going to be fraught with its own set of difficulties. But, but, but this is what I know to be best for you. And so uh, he, he leads us in, in ways. And yet, and yet he leads us in ways that maybe aren't apparently clear to us at the immediate how that would be the best way for us. I mean, did you guys learn this? I think, it, I, guess, I think we learned it in math class. I don't know. But what's the shortest distance between two points? So you guys weren't, weren't sleeping during math class either. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah, it's, so, so, but, but God doesn't lead them in the direct line, if you would, at that moment. Uh, and, and, we, and we'd be like, huh? I mean, I, Lord, you know what I learned in math class, you know. Uh, but we take our own sensibilities, our own, our own abilities of what makes sense to us, and we, we try to then impose that upon how God leads. His ways are not our ways. And, and that, that could be very confusing to us at times. But it even gets challenging, more challenging when, you, when we quickly move over to ver, like verse 10 of chapter 14 that, that we read. Um, God powerfully leads us, but sometimes in the ways that He leads us, it, it tests us. It challenges us. Look at verse 10 of, verse four, of chapter 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. In other words, the, 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 the Lord sometimes will run us down a path that is dangerous, that is difficult, uh, that is scary, that is wearisome uh, and worrisome, that is overwhelming to us. It just doesn't make sense how the hand of God would take me in that direction. And yet we see the very hand of God by, by the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire by night. He, he takes them to the edge of the Red Sea where there is the Red Sea in front of them and there is the approaching Egyptian army 
madder than a hornet's nest in pursuit of them. And that's part of God's guidance and leadership in their lives. And, and, it, and it shouldn't be um, without saying, but, but we'll add one more thing, just generally speaking to, to God's work of guiding and leading us. Uh, that, the fact that God guides us and leads us does not preclude us from ever doubting and questioning how He guides us and leads us. At verse 11 of chapter 14, uh, they, they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you done this to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not what we said when, when you were in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to, to, to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, this is not going to be the first in fact, you can just mark this. We're going to hear this line again. This is, this is going to be a part of their sad liturgy, if you would. Um, and, and yet I, I preface that to say just the fact that you and I would, would question and, and even waver and doubt in God's leading does not take away the fact that God is nonetheless guiding and leading His people. I mean, the first, one of the first challenges that we face when we try to interpret God's providential guidance in our lives, when we, when we run into troubles and difficulties, we, 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 are, we first question, has the Lord left the building? Has He abandoned us? Is He inattentive to us? Because all I know is that I'm a goner. And yet we see this wonderful record here that reminds us that this is, this is how God's people oftentimes struggle through understanding God's guiding and leading in our lives. The other thing I want to point out, kind of, kind of pressing things a little bit further, uh, kind of drawing out an application of, of the reality of the Lord's leading and guiding in our lives. It's just, it just, it, it, he, he led and, and guided Israel at that moment in their journey. Uh, and, and, and yet I would suggest to you that the Lord's leading and guiding even in Israel's life, and how much more even in our own life today, but, but God's leading and guiding in Israel's life is, is more than just simply uh, what I would call geospatial considerations. It is true that God is guiding them geographically, physically. He's moving them from um, outside of Egypt uh, through the wilderness and into Mount Sinai and beyond, into the wilderness eventually before we're done with the book of Exodus. But, um, but, but the Lord is doing more than guiding the people of Israel physically. God's work is He's showing them something about Himself. And in showing them something about Himself and how He guides them and how He leads them, He is shaping them into a different kind of people. And I say that to say when we, when we, when we run to the New Testament and we think about the guiding, leading evidences and realities of the Lord in our lives today, it is certainly true uh, that uh, God does guide us geographically, physically, if you would, 
He directs us and redirects us. He locates us and relocates us. So that when church is over after a while and we leave out of here, whether we turn right out of the church parking lot or whether we turn left out of the church parking lot, there's no way we can turn right or left that, that, we're, that, that we have then exempted ourselves from the guiding leadership of the Lord physically present with us and physically guiding us to whatever is next. So if he guides us right and we go down to the restaurant and we eat down there and, 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 and as we're eating, someone pays it forward and picks up our bill. We think, thank you, Lord, for your guidance in my life. I mean, you, you've, you've taken care of my lunch this afternoon, which, which afterwards I'll tell you where I'm going so that you could do that for me. But anyway, um, I would like for you to be an application of God's mercies in my life. But, but we'd say, that's God's hand, isn't it? But, but say we turn the other way out of the building and uh, we, we get about a mile down mid-rivers, and uh, someone rear-ends us. Not a happy moment. No, I, mean, it just, I mean, I'd rather have someone pay my lunch forward than rear-end me, but, but have, we, have we made the wrong turn out of the parking lot, and, and, and therefore we've removed ourselves from God's geospatial providential outworkings in our lives? No, even, even, those, even those challenging things are a part of God's leading and and, and guiding in, in our lives. The Lord is taking us somewhere. He always is taking us somewhere. He's taking us somewhere physically and locationally, and yet the Lord is taking us somewhere even deeper and fuller than geospatial considerations. So that what is universal to each and every one of us this morning I can tell you right now where the Lord is taking you this week. The Lord is taking you to your final home. And he's got you on a journey this week. It may not be this week that you arrive at that destination, but I know that this week, folded into the following week, folded into the week after that, folded into over how many more weeks that you and I have, I, I know that the Lord is taking us home. I, I know from, from uh, Jude writes us and says that he, that the Lord will present us faultless before the throne of God. That's what he's doing in his guidance and his leadership in each and every one of his children's lives this week. And, and, and while he is journeying us home, uh, he's not just waiting for us at the destination. He's alive and present with us, and he's at work in the journey doing something else that is universal in each of our experiences that pertains to his guiding and leading us this week. He is this week at work while he is in the journey and the process of getting us home. He is this week at work slowly, incrementally, sometimes difficultly transforming us into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It may not be by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Nevertheless, it is even better. He is leading us and guiding us by his word and by the indwelling presence of his spirit. He is at work in us to shape us, to mold us to, to, into the likeness and image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, for instance, let me read a few verses from Galatians chapter 5 that use the imagery of leading and guiding 
that, that describe um, what, what we can all universally, who name the name of Jesus, what we can universally acknowledge as what the Lord is doing in route to getting us home. He is in the meantime shaping us and molding our moral character. Galatians 5.16. Now, th- listen, to the, listen to the pictures, the metaphors of leading and guiding. In, in Galatians 5.16, <clears throat> but I say, walk by the Spirit. We're going somewhere, right? And, and walk here is, is, is a metaphor for how we are to live. And so walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And what he goes on to say is, is for those of us who name the name of Jesus, there is a battle going on within us. There's the desires of the flesh and there's the desires of the spirit. And, 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 and yet, and so we don't know which way to walk because we have competing, if you would, at times it feels like equally competing, although that's not true, but we have competing desires pulsating in our hearts that we wanna go this way morally and we wanna go that way morally. And what the apostle Paul says, the spirit is taking you this way. Walk this way with him. And he says in verse 18 of Galatians chapter 5, but if you are led by the Spirit, again, what's the imagery here? That of guidance and, and leading. But, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Then he says in, in verse 25 of Galatians chapter 5, for if you live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You see the imagery that he's painting for us? This is, this is what God is universally doing in each and every one of our lives this morning. He is at work this week guiding us and leading us as it pertains to our transformation into the likeness of Christ. And, and it is the lead of the Spirit who indwells us to, to lead us down that path that we ever increasingly, incrementally, a little bit at a time, moment by moment, each and every day, we become more and more like Christ. Paul says something similarly in Romans chapter 8, picking up in verse 12. So then, brothers, you are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to flesh. For if you live according to the Spirit, I mean, but if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you you will live. And he says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. In other words, this is an ipso facto universal guarantee. If you belong to Jesus, you are, being, you, are, you are led by the Spirit. You are guided by the Spirit to, 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 to strip away and put to death the remaining dispositions and do- desires and deeds of our old life in Adam. And, and we are called to, at the same time, under the leading and guiding of the Spirit, we are called to cultivate and and choose and to put on um, all of the mindsets and desires and fruit of our new life in Christ. So does God guide me? I know what we're probably asking. Does God guide me in all of the daily decisions of my life? Yes. Is the Lord providentially involved in all of the daily details of my life? Yes. 
Should I take this job or should I not take that job? Or should, I, should I marry this person or should I not marry this person? Should I move to this city or should I not move to this city? These, these questions, these decisions are not impertinent to how the Lord guides and leads. And, and, and yet in, in, a, in a larger, even more foundational concept of grasping the guiding and leadership of the Lord at this moment is that he guides us and leads us to look more and more like Jesus. And to the extent that we are progressing seen incrementally and looking more and more like Jesus, we have, if you would, the moral skill set, the wisdom, so as to better make those decisions of, should I take this job or should I not take this job? Should I, should I? In other words, sometimes we just want to run and find a quick passage of scripture that says, thou shalt taketh, that jobeth. <laughs> and we're like, it's not there. It's not in the Bible, is it? I guess God's really not involved in the day-to-day details of my life. No, He is. He's intimately involved in the day-to-day But His agenda in getting us safely home is to ever, ever incrementally, increasingly cause us to look more and more like Jesus in our virtue and our moral character uh, so that we honor the Lord in, our, in the process of our journey so that we then have the wisdom to know how to make all of these micro decisions in our lives. He guides us. He, guide, he guided Israel, and yet as we saw, he, he guided Israel into a dangerous, precarious experience. The Red Sea is here. Pharaoh's mighty army is there, and uh, they're stuck in the middle. And, and they're completely flummoxed as to why a good God would lead them in such a tragic location. But let's pick up and see how God not only guides us, but how He guards us as well. Look at verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And all the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before them, uh, the host of Israel moved and, and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, uh, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was cloud and darkness, and, and it lit up the night without one coming near to the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all uh, night and made the sea dry land. And And uh, the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, uh, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued them and went in after them into the midst of the sea, and all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the uh, Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove uh, heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before the Lord, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, and the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus, thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so that the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord in His servant. Moses. God guides them. He guides them up to the edge of the Red Sea. And, and now his guiding them through the Red Sea also entails how he guards them through and onto the other side of the Red Sea. The Lord's work of redemption not only entails how God guides us, those whom the Lord leads. He guides. And yet what we also see here is that those whom the Lord redeems, and He not only guides, but He guards. He will get each of His children safely home. And the reason why the Lord will get each of His children safely home is that not only when the Lord did His redeeming work for His people on the cross, the cross certainly is a display of God's redeeming love, but the cross is also a display of God's enemy-defeating work. The incredible event of Passover that we've seen over the last few weeks in which, in which the Lord redeems Israel from Egyptian captivity is now coupled with the utter defeat of Israel's oppressors and enemies. At the cross, which is a display of God's work of redemption for us, it's at the cross that the precious blood of the Lamb was shed for us and for our forgiveness and for our redemption so that we might be adopted into uh, the Lord's family. But, but, the, but the work of redemption also entails how God's work at the cross also accomplishes the defeat of every one of our enemies. I say every one of our enemies because ultimately what I mean is the work of the cross uh, crushes and destroys every one of God's enemies. From the very first announcement, if you would, in Genesis 3 of what we would call the gospel, that, that, that how, how the, 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 the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. We, we see that, that this work of redemption entails a work of conflict a, and a work of victory, a work of defeat and vanquish of God's foes and God's enemies. And now we believe 
belong to God, it also entails a, a work of defeat and vanquish of all of our foes and enemies. And while we could press this even further and in, 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 in deeper, we, what we can come to understand and, and grasp is that as the pages even of the Old Testament unfold, um, while, while this historical event of the Exodus and the utter defeat of Pharaoh will be remembered among the people of Israel, the prophets begin to point to and indicate that there will be a new Exodus. And a part of that new Exodus is that there will be a defeat of a new Pharaoh, if you would. In fact, in fact I find this so, so humorous. Some 800 years after this event here in Exodus 13 and 14, Ezekiel in chapter 29 picks up on the imagery of a new exodus, a new deliverance, a new redemption, and folds into that a defeat of Pharaoh, who, interesting enough, in, in Exodus um, uh, in, in Ezekiel 29 is, uh, is likened unto the great dragon who is in the sea. I say that to say, I, I mean, when, when you read the, the, then the book of Revelation, you, you see that Satan, the serpent, uh, is, is, lo and behold, he is none other than the, the great red dragon who will be defeated and vanquished. And so, so we see this picture of, of God's defeat of Pharaoh here in Exodus 13 and 14 as being a preview of coming attractions about how the ultimate redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, will, will also redeem his people, but in redeeming his people will also defeat all, each and every one of the enemies of God, each and one of, every one of the enemies of God's people. Every foe will be vanquished. Well, and, and what are some of our enemies? Well, when we read the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when we read uh, the Apostle Paul in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, when we read the writer of Hebrews in, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, we are told that some of our in, enemies include death, sin, and Satan. And, and what we can be assured of this morning, as sure as God vanquished the foe of Pharaoh in the book of Exodus, God in Christ Jesus has defeated every enemy uh, that faces us. We no longer have a fear of death because death has been defeated by the death of Christ. We, 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 know, we no longer um, are captive and have to live in fear of the dominion of sin because Christ has defeated the power of sin in our lives. We no longer have to be, we should be wise to him, but we no longer have to live in abject fear even of the, the devil who is like a roaring lion who's, who roams around seeking to devour God's people. We no longer have to live in abject fear of him because he is a defeated, vanquished foe. Why? Because God not only guides us, but he also guards us. He guards us from the perspective that he has already vanquished every enemy that you and I will ever face. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truthfulness and the power of your word. Thank you that every word of yours is true and that we can leave out of here counting on your word. And we're thankful for what your word teaches us, how we can know assuredly that you guide us and guard us each and every day of our lives, and that all who are in Christ Jesus this morning will be safely delivered home. 
And in the meantime, you guard us with, through faith. And we're thankful for that promise. May that reset how we face this week and how we look at this week. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done for us. Your love has risen within us so that we love you in return. We pray this in Christ's name.